plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story where it takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, comedy and impressions lover. And I'm Fran, super fan of reality TV and rom-coms. And we're from now. Throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. So this week, I ended up in a bit of a googling hole, as you do. As you do. And I stumbled across on Urban Dictionary the definition oh of a randomist. So there's two. The first, one who is often random. The second, people who love to talk about random things. Now, have you ever heard two descriptors that sum me up more than those two? Two points. First point, no, I haven't. You to a T. Second point, why are we getting more and more formal with these intros? They're really getting out of hand, aren't they? Really getting out of hand. I mean, there's probably a reason why you're picking out the randomist theme, because our guest this week, like you, is a randomist, Mr. Ross Noble. I mean, a comedy man through and through, right? But when he goes on stage, Fran, when he's doing his tours, he literally doesn't have a script. That terrifies me. Yeah, I mean, it would terrify me standing up in front of an audience trying to be funny with a script, let alone yeah. freestyling it out and just hoping for the best. But clearly, clearly it works for him, probably more so than it would for me. <laughs> he's very good at what he does. Uh, he's recently been on Celebrity Apprentice in Australia, living out there with his family, with Lord Sugar. I mean, that's daunting in itself, right? Yeah, speaking of intimidating. And he's got his new tour, Humanoid, which is coming back to the UK. All sorts of dates this year, going into next year as well. And as we say, Fran, a self-proclaimed randomist. And we, of course, have got the random question generator. So why not take advantage? Yeah, I feel with this interview, we're really going to hit the pierre de la resistance of the (laughs) random question generator. The very reason it was made. I'm buzzing to hear it. So let's hear from Ross Noble himself. Here he is on Plot Twist. Well, Ross, welcome to Plot Twist. It's really lovely to have you on. Before we start delving into some random questions and anything else, firstly, how are you? I'm very well, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm properly full of beans at the moment, actually. Is this, yeah. is this post the Celebrity Apprentice appearance where you finished as a finalist? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because if you're going to talk about... if I know this is all about plot twists, but talk about... Talk about possibly the biggest plot twist of my entire life slash career. <laughs> that is very much the biggest, the biggest plot t- twist you could imagine. Yeah, I um So I've always been very snobbish about reality TV show, about telly in general, actually, because right. I'm a stand-up and that's what I like doing. Yeah. Uh, I only really do telly if I really want to do it, you know? You know, like I'll do Have I Got News For You, and I'll do like QI, QI chat yeah. shows and stuff. I've been very snobbish about reality <laughs> TV and I've always been quite um, disparaging about comedians that have done that sort of thing. I've always said, you know, like, how bad is your career going that you actually, or how desperate do you want to be on TV or famous or whatever or need the money? And then COVID happened and all of a sudden I remember I love business and everything to do with business and that I should definitely go on The Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> so, well, it's like the yeah. ultimate tutorial, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Something it's like just, that. 
Yeah, so I um yeah, every theatre in the world closed. And I was going, oh, I'll be fine. They'll open and like two months turned into six months. And then he's getting put back. And they yeah. get kept getting put back. And I was looking at it going, Whoa, this could be tricky. So I uh, I signed up for that and uh I just had to change my entire had to change my entire thing. So yeah, Celebrity Apprentice was but actually, yeah, like say a bit of a plot twist turned out all right. I went on you there. Got the, well, you got to the finals. More I than did, right. yeah. I very, no, very, I, I very narrowly missed winning because uh, I was basically, I was up, there's, a, there's a, a big TV star over here called Shayna Blaze, who is a sort of, trying to think what who she'd be the equivalent of. She's a bit like, um, I suppose Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, I suppose you would you say that would okay. be the, she's a designer, she's an interior designer. Who was yeah. that woman? Do you remember that woman that used to be on uh, all those shows? she hair, isn't she? Kelly um, Hoppen. No, not her. She was on changing rooms. Um, can't remember. Anyway, so basically, yeah, it was it was me versus Shana in the final, and uh, she's very well connected. Shana, she's been on telly for years over here, and um, on a show called The Block. So she's got a lot of connections. Who um, she did a big charity auction. Yeah, she managed to get more cash in than me. It was all down to how much money you could raise. Yeah, I ro- I robbed a bank. So um, yeah, no, I'm not joking. I genuinely did. I robbed a bank. I um, I decided that I I I set up a fake bank heist, and uh, and I charged businesses to come and uh, an experience because everyone wants to rob a bank. You know, everyone yeah, wants sure. to feel what it's like. So you know, I had the red jumpsuit and um, I'd got a mask of Alan Sugar and put that on. Lord Sugar pretended he was a gangster. He thought I was trying to impersonate him. I, d- I don't think he fully understood what I was doing. I was pretending to be, <laughs> I was being a gangster with the face of Alan Sugar. And he went on Twitter and started seeing my impression of him was rubbish, even though I was doing Ray Winston. So yeah. I'm not surprised I lost. Anyway, so I, <laughs> uh, so I put, and I had explosions going off and I had a getaway car. And um, yeah, we charged people to experience the thrill. We had a big angle grinder blowing the safe up and all that. Yeah, but sadly, sadly, I could not compete with a charity auction. <laughs> but you say that in terms of donations, didn't you get Russell Crowe? Didn't he? He, he donated. Yeah, yeah, uh... yeah. Russell Crowe donated a bit of money, uh, and um, and yeah, helped me to uh, get a few other people. Yeah, you really got it. You got. You really got to sort of sell it. Got to pull out the big guns. It's funny though; they never mentioned that on telly. It's really weird. You got like one yeah, of the I biggest, wonder. biggest movie stars in the world helping you out. <laughs> didn't mention it on the show. So that didn't go in. And then we had a kid's sleepover and I organised for signed books for all the kids from J.K. Rowling. And they never mentioned that and that never made the final edit that's either. A, that's a great that's a great gift. Of course it is. But that's when I realised reality TV is not necessarily it's not necessarily about reality, you know? So <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. What, yeah. what about Lord Sugar? I, is, is he is he mellowed or is is he still uh, you know cutting egos in half? What's oh no, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's still. Yeah, he recognised you as well. I thought that was a disadvantage <laughs> that he didn't recognise anybody in the in the lineup apart from you. And I thought that puts a bit of pressure on you then. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. When you've got because it's obviously it's all Australian celebs. You know they're all big famous people. You know, yeah, big yeah, shiny. You know, a lot of. Uh, you know the fella that won. Australian Martha Idol. from Married at First Sight. I yeah, had yeah. Cameron Jules on a few weeks ago. Yeah, no, she's really nice, Martha. She's um, but yeah, they were all lined up, 
and Lord Sugar goes, normally I've got a load of nobodies in front of me. Never, you know, I've never heard of any of them. They're here to impress me. And this is Celebrity Apprentice. I haven't heard of any of you. And you could just <laughs> sense the egos just. And then he went, except him. What are you doing here, Ross? And, I, and then it was like, I went, oh, bloody I, hell. Want, I want, this is good. This puts me in ad advantage because he's going to, you know, because he obviously likes me. But then at the same time, painting a bit Expectations of a... Expectations are going to be high. Yeah, target on your back, isn't it? You know, anyone yeah. just going, oh, really? Oh, we are lardy da proper celebrities and he's not heard of us. How dare you? So <laughs> anyway, it all worked out fine. Got to the final and uh, good still... Job. Still did a lot of money for uh, for the Red Cross, so that was good. But yeah, um, and I know that's, a, that's was, close to your heart uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, it was. A, but like I say, it was all filmed. It was all filmed during COVID, and yeah, I never in a million years would have even entertained the idea of going on a. Yeah, it's ten weeks all up. You know, when are you going to find ten weeks of of yeah. you know of being free? So well, especially yeah. the way you tour as well. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm going to talk about your your tour shortly, but. I've got um, in, in your uh, press release, it says obviously a comedy legend, which of course you are, oh, but also God. a randomist. Oh, yeah. Um, and we do have comedy, comedy a feature legend. at the beginning, random can, random questions. Can I just say it? The word legend is thrown around very It loose. is, but it, I, very, I'd say it's a very fair loosely. use in this case. Can, can we just say, like, I don't know, like a bloke of renown? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Legends a bit. Yeah. You've done yeah, this, look, yeah, this good, uh, 20 I mean, years now, being, 16 nationwide tours, and that's... 30 years. Is it 13 total? Start, started, started when I was 15. 30 years this yeah. year. Yeah. So we got you're a randomist as well, right? Yeah, that was one so of my shows, yeah. That, but you are quite random in your... Your, your comedy can be a little bit random at times. So bit, we've yeah, got... We've we've got some random questions, and we Lovely. we do this at the beginning of every episode just to try and get to know people, but also you know not ask the same questions every day. Yeah, yeah. So cool. I thought these would be quite these would be quite good for you. Brilliant. If <laughs> I'm warning you now, they are a bit random. If That's you could fine. shoot a water pistol at any historical figure, Ooh. who would it be? I mean, it's I'd like to shoot it at somebody who was soluble. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> Imagine if you met the bloke who invented Alka Seltzer, right? Or Mr. Barocca, right? <laughs> Mr. Barocca, his entire body, he was like kind of an orangey, chalky man. He's terrified of moisture. Yeah, he would never go out in the rain, never went swimming, never invite Mr. Barocca around to your house because he'd ruin your <laughs> pool. Um, so, yeah, I quite like to, uh, yeah, Mr. Alka-Seltzer. Um, are we talking Super Soaker or are we talking like one of them little squirty pistol ones? Well, see the pistol. The pistol you could probably get away with, couldn't you? But if you've got a big super soaker, then you're asking for trouble. Especially if you. I was thinking like Henry VIII. I thought it'd just be quite funny to see how he reacts. But then, yeah. if I've got a big super soaker, uh, my head's going to be chopped off in half an hour. Well, he's. I think he was riddled with syphilis, though, wasn't he? You could. Uh, <laughs> probably. I think. I think you'd want to have. Um, I th yeah, I think Henry VIII would probably need probably some sort of perfume. You know what I mean? Some or, or some <laughs> yeah. sort of antibiotic you could squirt on him. Just to keep the syphilis down. Or in fact, like, uh, Jesus probably could have done with one, couldn't he? For Because um, I bet you he was curing so many lepers. He was going through, you know, like they were just bringing the lepers yeah. out and he's just like, cure, 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 cure. And I bet you that queue of lepers, as they were all making their way along, a lot of rubbing of the skin, 
I bet it was big clouds of leopard skin going off. Yeah, leopard skin. It's like leopard skin, but just slightly flakier. I got some leopard skin seat covers in my car. There's just flaky, flaky clouds of skin everywhere. I reckon I could have. St- I'd stand next to Jesus. So my answer's Jesus because I would sit there, and as the lepers approached and all the flake skin come off, I give a little squirt, and it would just keep the the leper flakes down. And then at the end of the day, say, "Oh Jesus." Turn this into wine. Practical. And, and yeah. I'm and I'm running a I'm running like I'm doing like shots. Do you know what I mean? I've got I've got two pistols. I'm double pistoling. I'm keeping the leper skin down, and then at the same time, like a holiday rep in Falaraki, I'm squirting high quality wine into the mouths of the disciples. So nice, that's nice. that's that would be my answer, I reckon. <laughs> that's incredible. What was the best thing before sliced bread? Oh, I remember reading a thing about this. I think the best thing before sliced bread, like in the, it's all about like advances probably in the world of baking and bakery. Um, yeah, because it was 1928, I saw, was the first commercial loaf. Yeah, yeah where you could bread. buy them sliced. Um, I would say when they started uh, heating up cakes, because the first time that they sold hot cakes, they really sold. They, I mean, they couldn't believe how fast yeah. hot cakes were selling. So, like, they just go, wow, this sliced bread is selling like hot cakes. And they go, why don't we <laughs> slice the hot cakes? And that way they went, hang on. People would be going, these sliced hot cakes are the best things since sliced bread. <laughs> but they're, are they selling like hot cakes? Well, we're selling the same amount of them, but... They're sliced, so therefore the slicing hasn't added to the value. So I reckon we we can save our money on slicing. It's probably what happened. Logical, I like it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Let's. Uh, I'll do one more. Um, well, what's a weird sandwich that works? Oh, a weird sandwich. All right, here's my question to you: If you eat three slices of bread, is that a bread sandwich? <laughs> I think there has to be another ingredient involved. Yeah. What if you got croutons? <laughs> what if you put croutons between two slices of bread? Would that be classed as a crouton sandwich? Even though it's just, it's all bread, but the bread takes different forms. Crouton sandwich. Yeah. It could be a thing. It could be a thing. It should be a thing. People have crisp sandwiches, don't they? I still I still think you need something else. It's It would be a bit dry, wouldn't it? Well, what about the softness of a softness of a white bread? With the crunchiness of the brown croutons. You, you've still got this apprentice selling thing in you, haven't you? Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that I was coming up with. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ross, this is the Plot Twist podcast, so yes. I should ask you a Plot Twist question. Yes. We, we look at the notion of the unexpected. Is there hmm. a standout Plot Twist in, in your life or career to date? Well, like I say, this last year has very much been the... Um, I mean, I, I would have thought up until that point when... Um, I think some people were quite surprised when I uh, became a song and dance man and moved into musical theatre. Yeah. A lot of people Award were... Award-winning as well. It, yeah, very much so, yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing about awards, right? Is um, So I made a TV show a couple of years ago and it was nominated for an award and uh didn't win and uh the show that beat my show 
was a thing called uh, Wild Things. Wow. It was on Sky, and uh, it was a mate of mine who did it. Jason Byrne was and Kate Humble were the hosts, and it was a show where people dressed up in giant animal costumes. This was the weird thing. I was watching the show going, this is the sort of thing I'd come up with. They, they had, <laughs> yeah. So there was someone dressed as a badger, somebody dressed up as like a duck and a fox and all that, but massive. Like, it's a knockout style, you know, big mm. things. It was a cross between it's a knockout and I suppose maybe a touch of the crystal maze. And there was two people on a team. One person had to tell the other person, you had to pull carrots out the ground, but you couldn't see and you had to guide the other person through various challenges, right? Yeah. So anyway... That wins, right, over my show. And I'm thinking, you know, you can't be bitter about these things. People love people love animals dressed up. People like to see people stumbling around dressed as badgers. Why wouldn't you, right? And I sat down, I went, right, I'm going to see what I've been beaten by here. Yeah? And then one of my daughters came over and she went, what are you watching? I'm just, it's, it's important. Slightly said, bitter. Yeah, slightly bitter. She sits <laughs> down next to me. Then the other kid walks over, my other daughter. What are you watching? And the youngest one goes... He's watching this show with animals. It's brilliant, right? <laughs> within and, and within 20 minutes, the three of us were watching it. By the end of the show, I'm going, God, this is amazing. What a brilliant <laughs> show this is. And then it turned into my kids' favourite show. They absolutely loved it to the point where we had a little betting syndicate going on. We all picked a different animal. It's oh, wild things is starting. And I was going, hang on, I'm supposed to hate these people. They've beaten me in <laughs> yeah. an award situation. And then, yeah, so I, I won one of them, the, the what's on stage thing. But then I got nominated for the Olivier and the three other guys in the category up against me were all in Hamilton, right? So I jokingly, every time anybody mentioned Hamilton, I would go, fucking Hamilton, right? I just walk around, Hamilton. And every time anybody mentioned Hamilton or Lin-Manuel Miranda came on something, I would just start growling <laughs> like that. Anyway, my kids watch it on the Disney Plus and it's now their favourite thing in oh, the world. Like they've got posters <laughs> up on the wall. They've got like, they know all the lyrics. They're begging me to take them to see it when it comes to like, so yeah. So I've what I've discovered is the next time I get nominated for an award that I don't win, it's a good way of finding out what my kids are going to think is the best thing exactly. they've ever seen yeah. in their entire life. So, uh, yeah. So that was, yeah, the, the old uh, the old musical theatre, that was a bit of a, bit of a twist. And then, um, and then with the COVID, as well as doing The Apprentice, I just sort of, so that's kind of put me, I've always, I've always purposely tried to steer clear of the sort of all that kind of mainstream type showbiz. I think you should always... You should always sort of dance around the edges, you know. You should kind of do your thing and just sort of retain all of that. So now I've sort of entered this weird kind of place. But one, as soon as the COVID hit, because I couldn't do stand-up at all, so all I did was I locked myself in this room and uh, and I just started writing. So for a year, I just wrote shows. I wrote scripts, started writing for a couple of other people, sitcoms and various different things. Just so I sort of completely flipped and just became a writer. And people know me as a performer, but like, so I did that and then wrote a film and then, and then so all of these things, oh, yeah. like part of it was just me going, well, I can do that. It's a good way of keeping myself busy, you know, working on other people's stuff. You know, I do a bit of that anyway, but like, 
but it was like that was going on and then yeah so i've so i've written all these things and then what's what's happened is is that it's sort of happening so i've now kind of now that the covid thing's going away all of these things which i started last year which i wrote they're all kind of picking up a bit of yeah traction so yeah so it looks like next year there's a weird thing where i've sort of lined myself up as a kind of a mainstream tv guy that's now gonna be making films which is just <laughs> which is like a mad yeah it's a mad thing it's a plot twist i suppose given it's a know, massive plot before. twist yeah because yeah. i've never you know it's one of the things where like you know all the projects i've done they've had to sort of work i kind of coincide with stand-up but because the stand-up just stopped it's kind of forced me to do other things and then yeah so now i'm off on this weird yeah very exciting but kind of weird direction but that that's all that has been your bread and butter or bread and croutons but yeah um, <laughs> you, but you are obviously you've got a tour coming back to the yes. uk starting in october, october time yeah yeah, hum, yeah humanoid yeah. is it 54 dates as well that's, is it 50 you know, something like that half yeah. of it's before christmas the other half's uh after christmas break. yeah yeah and then yeah I am aware it sounds like hemorrhoid. Didn't fully think that through. <laughs> it's meant to be like humour, you know, like a humanoid, but like a humour, but humour. And uh, it's not the best title I've ever come up with, to be honest. You've come up with some great titles it's, over it's the years. It sort of sounds sounds a bit like hemorrhoid, but, you know, at least people will remember it. They'll go, should we go and see Ross Noble's arse problem extravagant jamboree? <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so that's, that's going to be in October. And... Uh, October uh, through until next year. So get your tickets, come get along. Your tickets. Well, yes. I mean, you said that last year you've kind of been able to flex your creative skills, you know, with writing. But have you also been chomping at the bit to kind of get back on stage? Yeah, I, well, obviously, yeah, yeah. The whole time it was, uh, you know, this part of me that's kind of, yeah, you never want to leave it too long. There's nothing worse yeah. than seeing a stand-up that's been away for too long and they're a bit... They're a bit rusty. Are you still going in? Because a lot of it is sort of on the cuff, isn't it? Oh. It's not necessarily a set script. Has that always been the way? I mean, is that what we can expect with Humanoid? Is Yeah, I mean, obviously, with it's, it's a bit weird because over here, I've got a feeling once I get back to gigging, I reckon the entire show will just be me doing stuff about Celebrity Apprentice. Um, but because <laughs> yeah, nobody will have... Cause, so, yeah, so there'll be, like, lots of... I'll be talking about that pretty much and that'll be my starting point and I'll kind of go off from there. But yeah, that's not going to work in the UK, is it? I go, <laughs> guess what I did? And they'll just be like, I nearly won the Celebrity Apprentice and they'll be like, yeah, bullshit you did. <laughs> oh, really? What, with Lord Sugar? I go, yeah, no, I really did. Where? Where did this happen? We never saw it on the telly. <laughs> oh, no, it was on the telly, but you didn't get to see it because it was in a different country bullshit <laughs> so yeah does, does it add pressure though when you perform like that and you're doing it off the cuff Do no you... no not at all the thing is is that like it's not like i went on the tv because that's the thing like i was saying before it's the thing of like i i built up a live following over years yeah. and years so i had like uh i play a comedy club and then i would go back to the same comedy club but i would do it on like say a comedy cl club ran on like friday and saturday I would go back like on a Sunday or a Monday and just do the whole show myself. And then may I'd get maybe 30, 40 people. Then that would turn into 100 people. And then I'd go back the next time and I'd play a nearby theatre. 
and then I'd do like uh, 200 people and then the year after I did four and then eight and it just it took me years and years of doing it but then I'd build up and then there was sort of like it would just be this not well not exponential growth because you'd be playing to the you'd be playing to a billion people but you know you just have this sort of thing where you'd have like I'd do like 500 people and then I'd come back the next time and there would be a thousand people two thousand and it just went like that so and then I was like when I was releasing DVDs people would watch a DVD and then they'd they'd come back and they'd share it with their mates and then it would it just ha- it sort of grew like that so when people would see me I did that even even when I was doing like sort of comedy clubs late night rough rooms I still did what I do now some people used to get really scared and and you get some acts that were like I've got my act I got me 20 minutes and it worked and they would do it and they were too scared to change it mm. and those people have just like a lot of them have sort of just feared it off because people won't come and see you if you're just playing it safe all the time they won't come and see you so I you know I used to do all that sort of stuff back when I was even when I was doing like open spots you know when when I first moved to London and it was like you go to jonglers you had to do your tight set and I was like I'm not doing that just gonna go on and have fun so it's not like I, I went on the telly or something and, and got famous for something and then people came to the show and when they got to the show I went now I'm gonna do this I just did that from the start and it yeah you know what I mean so it, it's sort that's of quite like, unique isn't it though well, yeah, but it was in a time where you could do that, you know? Like, yeah. you'd be hard pushed to do it now because now there's so much pressure. People are... But also, it wasn't... A th- like, there wasn't... Like, now, you know, people have this thing if they go, right, I'm going to get on whatever the shows of the day are. You know, I'm going to get my set together. Mock the Week. And, I'm going to yeah. do... Yeah, exactly. I'm going to get on Mock the Week. I'm going to do Live at the Apollo. I'm going to do... Or McIntyre's Roach or something like that. Get a bit of a following go out there and then get my own show. You know, like there's a there's a sort of progression to it. And it's like, if you can be really slick and fit into all of those things, you can go through those. That, that didn't exist. Like, you know, in the early 90s, there wasn't like a path. There wasn't like a thing that you did. All I ever wanted to do was just work live, you know. So, yeah. Do you think it was inevitable that you, you would go into comedy? Because you say you started at 15, but you, you got tickets, didn't you, to a show and that kind of that opened your eyes a bit. And so I think you saw Jack D and Joe Brown. Yeah, Brand, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Well, but you got, I always think of those sort of, sli- we talk about sliding door moments a lot on the podcast. Mm. It's like, what, what if you didn't get those tickets? Would you still have found a way into, into, into comedy and, and been inspired to do it yourself? Who, like, who knows? I mean, the thing is, is that like when I was a kid, I was, like I'm dyslexic, so I was like I, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't oh respect to you. Like uh <laughs> I um it's like there's a secret handshake. Um yeah, so you know, you I don't know if you had this, but like when I was at school, I just looked at it and just went, I can't I'm not gonna get a job that requires there wasn't anything that I was passionate enough for me to go, actually I need a job where I can just you know write things down which is quite ironic considering that i've now reinvented myself as a writer (laughs) (laughs) but i i said to one of my mates i just went because i hadn't really used the computer until about until about three years ago like i never actually um (laughs) i you know i just everything just be on like scraps of paper you know i had no interest in computers and then um yeah i remember saying my mate was going oh yeah so you 
is she writing now? And I was going, yeah, yeah, no, I'm sort of fair. Even the stuff that I've written in the past, I would write it on scraps of paper and then give it to somebody to type up. And then I would just sort of, you know what I mean? It was always like, yeah. right, yeah. Here's, the, here's this, or right, now you type that up, that'll come back. Then I get it turned into a script form or whatever. And I was saying to my mate, I was just going, oh, yeah, I've, I bought this computer and it's like, it's amazing. Like, you can just, like, you can just... You can type. Like, it's really, it's it's quite fast because if you, instead of, like, having to rewrite the page or scribble stuff out, you can just delete it. And he went, "Yeah, are you explaining to me how a computer works? And it had never even... In 2018. It never dawned on me because it was... <laughs> Because I just keep I keep all the information in my head, so yeah, it was never it was never gonna be. I never wanted to do a job where it was like, like a job job, you know. And mm. the things yeah, I was yeah. good at, and I wanted to join. I wanted to be a stuntman, and then I wanted to join a circus. You know, to join a circus, nobody cares whether or not you can spell or not. You know, so. Is there somebody that for you behind the scenes has been a unexpected sort of force of inspiration and? support that's difficult for a megalomaniac like myself it's difficult to acknowledge <laughs> anyone else's presence in my uh <laughs> i don't uh other people you say well i mean obviously my wife but that's kind of the all the all the answers i give are probably pretty pretty obvious to be honest um the great thing about my wife is she has very little interest in comedy she's not impressed by show business and keeps me uh keeps, keeps grounded, me I guess, very it? very grounded whenever i start getting a little bit overexcited and starting to think i'm a bit of you know jack the biscuit she just says you know <laughs> come on he's easy now yeah no, that's that's, that's a, a pretty strong one what about um just i mean you probably been asked this quite a bit but the last 5 years politically and with technology everything has kind of changed yeah with with social media but also you get these characters like Trump like Boris does that make comedy easier well it's difficult because you sort of there was that sort of heyday wasn't that sort of late 80s into the 90s you know like when it was kind of you had like Thatcher and Major and there was all those sort of big personalities where you know, people like Nigel Lawson and, uh, you know, Norman Tebbett, people like that, where politicians were quite, was quite easy to take the mickey out of them because they were, they were Michael sort of Foot. such big personalities. And then, and then there was that era of sleaze as well. Do you remember when there was sort of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there was so Mid-90s, much, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was like a real sort of rich time for comedians taking the mickey but it was more about the personalities than it was about the issues, you know? And I think that the danger is that then politicians became very bland, you know? They became sort of, uh, you know, people who had sort of been special advisors and then they became MPs. So I think we went through a whole phase where it sort of, it was less about, it was a lot of very boring people and but you know but maybe more about the issues and then i think what's happened is and i think that's the danger of somebody like boris is the fact that he's he's just like he's gone back to the old days of it's all about him and it's all about the him just being this character and mm. you know and trump's exactly you know trump's the same so it's one of those things where it's almost impossible to 
I think satirists have a real hard time of it because if you're pointing out failings in a politician and that politician is wearing those failings as a badge of honour and the people that follow them go, yeah, we like this person because they wear their failings as a badge of honour and, in fact, we like their failings, you can't really satirise that because no. <laughs> they can just turn around and go, well, yeah, tell us something we don't know, you know. That's, that's why I think John Oliver's so good, you know. He's sort of... Um, yeah, he's brilliant. You know, he just goes into... A bit more substance. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of the days... Of, look, I've been guilty of that myself, you know. The days of just basically going, this person's funny because of this, and it's just a very superficial thing. I think people are kind of... that's so, I think that's kind of burnt itself out now, you know. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, well, that, that was a very sense. serious answer, wasn't it? No, I like it. It's a good balance here. It's a good balance. <laughs> Uh, the last point, you're not going to like it because you're, you, you are, um, from chatting to you, you're, you're very humble, but you were listed as the 11th greatest stand-up comedian ah, well, ever. Well, hang on, hang on. Let me just, let me quickly point this out, right? This was Channel 4. This was a this few Channel years 4, ago. Yes. Channel yes. 4 did it, you know, when, when they used to do those shows and it was like, you know, it was 100 greatest stand-ups and they used to do like... I mean, let's be honest, they also used to do, you know, 100 greatest moments in DIY programs and all of that. So, you know, I don't know how prestigious it is in the big scheme of things. But, yeah, they did a program and they did it sort of five years apart. And the first time I was at number 10 and then they did it, okay. a, few, and they did it a few years later and then I was at number 11. But I still maintain that thanks to Bill Cosby and Louis C.K., I'm now officially number nine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the pro okay. the problem with those the problem with all that as well was, you know, when they were saying, you know, the best stand ups is that like again, I think that was when was that? It was about two thousand and ten, maybe? Two thousand and nine. Yeah, around that sort years. of time. The difference now and then was back then <laughs> back then, people like myself who were like real comedy train spotters, we would seek out American comedy and either listen to it, you know, on CD or tape or whatever, get DVDs, or go to America and watch the watch the comedy, read about it, find out what was going on. Yeah. If you wanted to know about American comedy, you had to be a proper... It was like music, you know? Yeah. You had to properly be into it. Whereas now, you know, I was talking to somebody about this who was talking about the effect that it's had on, like, comics on the circuit... Now, you literally turn on YouTube and you can fall down a rabbit hole of all these incredible American comedians. So that was a little bit skewed because the only people that were in that, the, the, the likes of Dave Chappelle, people like that, they were still around when that show was put together. Mm. You know what I mean? Like all of these people were still... but unless they were incredibly mainstream and the people that were making the programme had heard of them. Yes. So that yeah. was all a little bit... That, but still, yeah. It was still a massive compliment. But what I was oh, going to no, say was is that, I mean, out of 100, you came 11th, but part of you must be 10th originally. Well, 10th well, originally. <laughs> yes. Well, the one I saw, but yes. Yeah, I mean, the one but, I saw was... But, but actually, but to be fair, <laughs> um, when the first one went out, Ricky Gervais hadn't done stand-up at that point. And then when they did it the okay. second time... He He'd jumped come, up course, into the Ricky top 10. Yeah. So you yeah. go, okay, well, that's a bit weird to go from not in the top 100 at all to being in the top in. 10. That was, yeah. you know, it's quite a jump. respect him for that. Yeah. You know? 
Anyway, go on. Yes. So, well, no, I was just saying, like, obviously, five years later, then to be 11th, like, for marketing purposes, like, oh, for, you know, can you just stick me in the top 10 somewhere? You know, I've been, I've been I, so I much still see it. Don't matter, though. Yeah. Channel 4, Channel 4 the, was the, uh, I was one of the top 10 greatest comedians. But then, look, I think in the first one, I think Stuart Lee was at 40. I think he actually, because he didn't he do a DVD or he did a live tour called, 42nd greatest comedian of all time or something he jokingly so so those yeah those things are all they're all nonsense anyway because you know probably i don't know it was only five years later once the critics caught up with it all and they went oh Stuart Lee's quite good isn't he we should probably should probably bump him up to this so it's all you know there's comics out there now who probably wouldn't necessarily be that well regarded by the people that are making those shows who are the funniest people on the planet yes, you know very true like yeah. for me like i do you know norm mcdonald yeah yeah Greg, oh, what an you, iconic voice you know so <laughs> yeah he's fantastic isn't he love it so once you start doing it, you can't stop you can't stop yeah. it you know somebody like norm mcdonald there is nobody funnier than norm mcdonald but, you know, if you sort of said to people, you know, I think he's got two specials that you can watch. But if you said yeah. to most people, who, oh, who, who are the best, who are the best stand-ups out there? Would, would uh, Norm feature? Maybe not, but... It's one know. of those names for maybe a more casual fan that they'd be like, mm, rings a bell, but I bet you as soon as they heard his voice, they'd be like, oh, of course, I know this guy. He's yeah, in, that's you know. true. He's been in loads of yeah. films as well, but yeah, his stand-up is just phenomenal. Don Rickles is a favourite of mine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, seen you know, that documentary, Mister Warmth. Yeah, I've seen seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just love it. He could be so brutal and get away with it. He could introduce people. Um, he was saying to Clint Eastwood, "I can't do the impression properly." He was like, "Clint, I'll say it. Nobody else has said it, but I'll say it from my heart. You're a lousy actor." And it's like this <laughs> this massive audience full of you know the biggest A listers, and he's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. tearing into yeah. Clint Eastwood of all people. It's just amazing well rickles is the one who do you know that story about frank sinatra that yeah yeah um, the table. yeah that it was rickles that said you know just come over and say hello and he walks up and he goes my good friend don rickles fuck off frank i'm with people you know? <laughs> i'm with people that's the you know so uh yeah but you know look i also let's while we're on the subject of accolades um i was uh, i think probably f about five years ago GQ magazine put me in the top five worst dressed men in Britain. Okay. Now, what of all the men? Is that including tramps? Is that including <laughs> like that's what are all the men in Britain? There's only like there's only four people. Who are Seventy worst million people. Yeah, you know, so and, and it's like, men. like you know when they do like uh, you know the hundred sexiest men or whatever. And yeah, of course. It's never won by some bloke in a shed in Loughborough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He's got yeah. this bloke just minding his own business. You should see the muscles on him. He's incredible. You know what I mean? It's always famous people, isn't it? So no, you got to you got to take all of that with a pinch of salt. But no, it was good. It's I mean, good. it's nice. It's, I mean, it's probably good for a you know for a stand-up gig though. Something to reference. Yeah, exactly. You know, stick it on. Yeah. St I don't even think I put it on a poster. I don't think that was. Because it looks a bit weird, doesn't it? It's just people turning up, sat there. It's there's always, always an expectation that... then. What's he well, going to wear? Always, but, but also, you sat, you sat there and just thinking, 
what, there's only nine people. I could have been at the nine other gigs that were possibly better than this. <laughs> You've got a half full, half empty, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it could backfire, I get that. Well, Ross, look, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been fascinating to it's, chat to you. It's been um, a, a lot of fun. Well, yeah, good luck with the tour. Great All to right, chat. well, yeah, come down, say hello. If oh, well, I definitely uh, will, if, absolutely will. If, if you, I've also uh, just seen in the chat, Carol Smiley, was that the person we were talking about at the beginning? That it, no, the she was, designer? I think she was called... Linda, Linda Barker. Barker, that was her. Yes. Linda Barker, yeah. So what she I was trying to say... Lot. At the start of the podcast, I was beaten in The Celebrity Apprentice by Australia's Linda Barker. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It's full circle. Oh, brilliant. Great chat, bud. I appreciate it. All right. See ya. Oh, big thank you to Ross Noble. What a lovely guy. And you probably noticed, Fran, I was giggling pretty much throughout the whole thing. I know. I bet <laughs> when they were editing that, they were like, oh, just tone down that giggle. Oh, there's Tom giggling again. Oh, we'll cut that bit because it's Tom giggling. But I, think they oh, had I loved to. it. You were, it was like you were like a little schoolgirl, just having the time of your life. <laughs> <laughs> what an analogy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, he was lovely though and uh, super funny uh, down to earth good chat you kind of almost forgot you were in an interview it was just a you know just an interesting conversation throughout yeah it sounded really like that almost like two friends just catching up so it's great just to sort of eavesdrop into your entertaining chat but you talked about the random question generator at the start water guns and historical figures I know, like i thought i, I was random we, like where on earth yeah, did, did that go, come from well, well, he is a self-proclaimed randomist, so I thought I'd take advantage. I'll um, test that. <laughs> I, I, we certainly did test that. But I, you're bound to have an opinion on the whole bread debate. Is there such thing as a crouton sandwich? Is that a thing? Is that allowed? I 100% firmly believe that that is a thing. Um, <laughs> when I was when I was 17 years old, in fact, at an all-inclusive hotel, I made a mashed potato sandwich. What? So that was, yeah, that was my life at 17. Was there yeah, anything else in there or just, just mashed potato? Absolutely nothing else in there. Bread, mash, bread. Texture high is very, very soft and unusual. <laughs> but it did get me thinking there's this incredible pub near where I live and they do fried lasagna in a burger. Now, now that, if you're now talking that's my about kind of burger, epic things. That works. That yeah, is epic. It, I would it, happily have it that. It is pretty awesome. Hang on. So that's local to you? Yeah. Yeah. Just down the road. And you haven't invited me? So back to Ross Noble, the other thing that I thought, (laughs) joking aside, my other favourite thing was when he was just talking about wild things and he was like, yeah, we all sat down to watch it because we were like, boo, beat us to the award. Two weeks later, it's our favourite show, can't get enough. love it, yeah. (laughs) Hamilton as well. It's not what you want. You want everyone to sit down and berate it. Oh, that was great. So funny. And of course, he will be coming back for his new tour back to the UK. Lots of dates this year and going into next year as well. So check that out. Humanoid, Ross Noble's new tour. Yeah, I feel definitely as we're getting back out and about into the world, live comedy is one of those things we definitely need to be taking advantage of. Mm. Um, Your live tour, Tom, following that interview, (laughs) is probably still a few years away. Um, A man man can dream. dream. A man Man can dream, dream, Tom. A man can dream. (laughs) And on that note, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Ciao. Bye-bye.